Welcome back, second pagers, and a very special welcome to Isaac, our older brother, who is joining us on the podcast for the first time and will be a staple here. We are very excited. Isaac, say hello to the people. Yeah, pleased to be a part of it. I heard that some of my organs were not wanted, but hopefully my quits <laughs> are. So happy to be here. Shit, I forgot. Oh, you forgot I would do my homework and listen to all the episodes before I came on. I'm glad you weren't blasted because your liver is definitely gone. <laughs> I don't know. I do a couple juice cleanse. I could be good as no, I think. That's true. <laughs> Detox. I did not think that Isaac was going to have listened to a single one of our podcasts before coming on. No, I definitely, Isaac takes this very seriously. I'm very excited because Isaac has a very interesting take on books. And I'm glad that he's willing to read Jody Picot for us because... That is an introduction to this week's book. Yeah, I, we'll get into it, but I have my thoughts. This club Based. meeting, we're talking about Jodi Picoult's book, My Sister's Keeper. This was a pick of mine, so I'll just come out and apologize right away for that. But I also want to take this opportunity just because we have Isaac on. We may have some new listeners, so it's always good just to do a quick refresher on how the podcast works. We have a published book list. You can find it in the comments of this video. You can also find it on our Instagram. So go check that out. That's the books that we plan on reading for the whole year and the dates that we'll be discussing them in our club meetings. The idea would be that you would read the book before listening to the club meeting recording or the podcast, as some people like to call them, <laughs> only because we're going to be talking about major plot lines and spoilers. And this book in particular, there's going to be a huge spoiler that we're talking about probably right away. That's the idea. And we're very excited to hopefully get some comments from you guys in the future about what you want us to talk about ahead of time. So we can record with your comments and actually have content that you're interested in hearing about. All right, what's our fun fact? Okay, <laughs> I'm really excited about this one. Jodi Facult went to Princeton and studied creative writing. And in the most offensive way so possible, I think that was very obvious from the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and we only laugh yeah, because we... Phil went to Princeton. <laughs> it's also just, I, okay, so I'm just going to get started with I know we're not jumping into book analysis yet, but I knew we were in for a ride with the first, I don't know what the simile that she uses is about the bed sheets that just made no sense where it's just, it was like two small bed sheets where sometimes they make you warm and sometimes your feet poke out at the end. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Top of mind. That makes that analogy so relevant. What are we talking about? But anyway, so what is the other fun fact you have? Okay, so this is my actual fun fact. Pre-implantation genetic diagnosis, or PGD, is what they actually did in this book. So they Basically, before the baby was born, picked the genes that she was going to have in order to save her sister's life. I did think it was thought provoking. And so I was like, there's no way that this is legal in every state. Alabama, no way. But actually, it's legal in all 50 states. But when you Google what states is blank legal in, the most highest thing that's Googled is what states is it legal to marry your first cousin <laughs> Also Alabama or yeah. <laughs> I was gonna start that one. 
Alabama's not surprising on that. No, so actually, 19 states, it's legal. I was like, I have to go down this rabbit hole now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, and in I think six states, there's conditions. So like in addition to those 19 (laughs) states. That's so bad. If you're sterile or infertile, you can, or if you're over the age of 65 in some states. And then one state, it was just like, it's conditional. And I'm like, what are the conditions? Find love in the first sixty-five years, honestly. <laughs> Go for your cousins. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't. So this was like not something I had ever thought to do or look up. <laughs> All right. Okay. So moving on. This book in sixty seconds. It follows the story of a distressing story of a thirteen-year-old girl, Anna, who is only born as an organ donor for her sister who has leukemia. She approaches lawyer Big Shot Campbell Alexander in order to sue her parents so she will no longer have to give her body matter to her sister to save her sister's life. And I think that is one that doesn't have any spoilers, but there's two big spoilers, right? One is that she's suing on behalf of her sister because her sister doesn't want to keep living anymore and doesn't want to be this burden, especially on Anna. And then the other big spoiler is that Anna dies at the end and her sister lives. I don't know why so I'm laughing. that, I don't know, it's not that funny. <laughs> I'm but, smiling because you're laughing um, for the record. Yeah. I will say though, I don't know how you cried, Phoebe. I, I would not have the emotional support for any of these characters. I was sad that she died. This poor girl went through everything. I think, and then the ending with her sister where she was mourning the loss of her sister and she was keeping her sister's memory alive. That ending. I think her sister might have been the only character that was a little bit likable. So I guess I'm glad that she lived. Kate, yeah. Yeah, because we never really heard her thoughts. If we had to hear her thoughts. That may be because we never had her internal thoughts. Yeah, (laughs) honestly though. Gosh, I don't know if that was... Okay, so let's move on. Sorry, we're getting off track. So let's go through <laughs> Isaac, our really numbers. Isaac, th- we're nervous with Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> I have that effect. <laughs> What's he going to say? <laughs> Is Emily his first cousin? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Legal and candle, bro. Legal and candle. No, anyway, they're more civilized than us. How did you uh, get the book? I don't know. What possessed me, we'll never know. I think that I had been getting targeted on Instagram for the movie with Cameron Diaz. <laughs> and it's. Yeah. I think it's a kind of a classic. Not. A, I don't want to say classic. Let me just back up. But it's people talk about it. Many people probably who are listening have read. People like Jodie. Oh, I didn't know I it was a movie. She's got I was, yeah, I was going in completely blind. Didn't know Jodie Picot. Didn't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. You had never heard of this uh, book at all, Isaac? No, not at all. I'd read a Jody Picot one, which is the one that I recommend before, but I hadn't heard of this one either. I did listen to it. It was, we actually all have different feelings about the listening, the audio. I just love that Isaac so, was like, I hated that all the different readers. <laughs> I did. No, he liked, he doesn't mind the, you don't mind when there have different narrators. You just don't like. Yeah, I don't mind the different voices for the different thoughts, especially when it's from the perspective of that character. 
I just thought yeah. these narrator's voices were horrible and didn't enjoy listening Bad. to them. I didn't feel for the characters at all. I liked Campbell's narrator. I usually don't mind the different voices, but it's not my biggest thing. I didn't really mind the narrators either. Very beige for me. Have either of you listened to Jay-Z Jones and the Six? Because that's what it that's what I thought it was going to be like. And it was, but the Daisy Jones and the Six is awesome. It feels like you're listening to a movie, kind of. Oh, I don't like those. I like the radio shows almost where they have the music coming in. I'm not a big fan. I like it cut and dry. I mean, the best is obviously, this will bring us way off topic, but when one narrator can do all the voices like Jim Dale and Harry Potter, of course. Is the- <laughs> yeah. We all agree so, on Harry Potter for sure. Some people don't like Jim Dale. Yeah, yeah those some people, people are wrong. wrong. Yeah. I wanted to just remind everybody about our rating scale because I think it's confusing. We'll talk about Goodreads rating scales, and that'll be one out of five, obviously. But for the sake of our book club, we want to keep it very simple. So it'll be one out of three, except in this case when you guys just gave it a zero, which is not even an option. No, every restaurant doesn't earn a Michelin star. Okay, that's true. That's Michelin true. star you have, thing. You have specific things. You say good, nothing special, wouldn't recommend to a friend. I think this was especially bad. Okay. This does not meet a one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, zero. Yeah, so it's on the Michelin star rating. Number one is stop if you're if it's on the way. Two is go out of your way to to go to this restaurant, and three is the restaurant is the destination. We kind of try to adapt that with one being nothing, as Phil said, good, nothing special. Probably wouldn't bring it up to a friend. Two would recommend to a friend. Great book. That's where probably the most of our books are going to be in that category, and then three would read again. And as I've just spoiled it, it was a zero. One thing that I really didn't like was all of the interpersonal relationships didn't make any sense, except maybe her and her sisters. I think she tried to do that so that the reveal of her suing on behalf of her sister made sense. But it was just frustrating the entire book when Anna would be very motivated to suing her mom and then go and cuddle with her mom after being in the courtroom. And it was just very weird. Their marriage made absolutely no sense. The fact that their dad literally kidnapped her daughter and then shows up and they're like, I love you. What? This, it was so out of, it was just not in touch. I didn't get a, that the characters didn't make sense. I just think that If you try to put yourself into that situation, it is one, it's really hard and where you can empathize, you can't sympathize because this is something that not a lot of people go through. So that Mm -hmm. already makes the characters out of touch. Then we have this dialogue, this internal dialogue and external dialogue that is just constant, like Phil said, constant metaphors that are just (laughs) crushing you. So then the characters just become that much more unrelatable. So then when you're trying to look at the characters' relations with each other, it doesn't even matter now because these aren't real people. So the relationship doesn't, isn't real because they're not real. Her name was Andromeda. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, was that her name? Andromeda. What do you mean was that her name was mentioned? uh, (laughs) Closets. 
astrologer, Astro- a firefighter, a firefighter astrologer. <laughs> you know, which that, I think she attempted to make relatable. to give that to make him relatable, and it was just more so. Just people know the Big Dipper. That is relatable. And stars are right. cool. Not this knowledge of the galaxy while also working the night shift at your local fire department in Rhode Island. And also having a daughter who has cancer. That's a thing yes. that pissed me off. His the genetically has- altered daughter to save that daughter. And that just like from a female perspective of this mom is spending every every one of her nights at the hospital and this dad has a reprieve. He's saying how he doesn't want to come home and he uses his job as an out to not come home. And he has an extremely intense side hobby. It's just how do you have time to know so much about the have maps in your car of all this, the constellations and have a full time job and have a daughter who has cancer? Just no. OK. And you guys aren't even mentioning the fact that the son <laughs> is literally a serial arsonist. <laughs> just the son could have been eliminated from the story and the story is exactly. There's oh, no reason. No, that's the thing. He wasn't this third party that gave you insight into the sibling relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he had burned down the hospital, okay, I could see the storyline. But <laughs> he burned down a school with no one in it, got caught by his dad, and then was forgiven. Nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. Nothing. And also the whole stealing the judge's car, that didn't that was completely yeah. irrelevant to the entire The narrative. only thing if the anything, son brought was when the at the end, when they all come in after the courtroom and him and Kate are playing the famous boxer game, who would win in this boxing match? And there's all this tension in the courtroom. And then he's just like, who would win? So-and-so. You could feel this like, pressure release. That was his biggest part. And maybe one of the best <laughs> moments in the book. Yeah. Yeah. I did not see the ending coming. I will give it that. And I think the no, ending I will. saved I it did. for me yeah. where I, it sounds like maybe this is not the case for you guys, but I felt the entire book was a waste of my time. And then at the end, I was like, damn, I did not see that coming. This made it slightly more worthwhile to have read. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think I felt that way. (laughs) I guess there's a lot of ways I can get surprised and I don't need to spend 15 hours on an audio book to to get that. But I will say I did not see the end coming. But in a sense, I didn't really think some surprise endings are just a surprise. I don't think it added anything to the book. What did this add to the book, I guess? Yeah, nothing. It was just like you didn't see it coming. That's very, that's a really good point. I was surprised, (laughs) but I was happy it was over. You talk about Sarah, Phoebe. I don't think I've ever despised a character as much as I've despised. I will say that is notable. I could not, there was no redeeming. Even Cersei Lannister (laughs) loves her kids equally and is just domineering over every part of every life and a tyrannical dictator. But she, at least she likes her sons and her daughter equally. Would you have respected her more if she, when they do the flashbacks and they go on the TV show and they talk about it, if she had just openly admitted, yes, we had this kid because we needed an organ donor and said, we conceived her, genetically modified her to oh, live her life. Sure. To- for sure, the whole denial about her loving her all her kids was the most annoying part. I, I don't think she ever admitted that she didn't love Anna as much as 
cave. Yeah, everyone could see what was happening and she was the only one that was not willing to admit. I think even the dad basically alluded to the fact that they all could admit this and she was in her own. I don't know. I try to be really sympathetic to her, but I think obviously for the sake of this book, she was written in a way that made her out to be the villain here intentionally. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys, since we could take all day to shit on this book even more, but would you do this? Donate or (laughs) sue? Would I sue or donate? No, no. Would you, I think we could get into that as siblings. We could talk about that, but I would think all of our answers would be the same, but yeah. Would you, as a parent, if you knew having another kid could save the kid that you have currently, would you do it? No. I don't think I, don't I would in this way, no. Yeah. I yeah. think I will just be worried that it's not a guarantee, first of all. I guess it was with the genetic modification to an extent. The initial blood from the umbilical cord was a guarantee. I don't, I think everything else maybe worked out or I'm not sure, but yeah, I think it's too premeditated. I feel like this is an obvious answer. Would you, Phoebe? No, I wouldn't. I just, I think it goes back to the entire plot line having holes in it though, where this was never really discussed either. Maybe at the end, it was a little bit, she had said, did I do the right thing? I'll never know. This was my decision, blah, blah. But It never really got into, is this right? Not only the donation thing to me is secondary, because honestly, I would donate for my siblings 100%. I would, would, it wouldn't be a question. But from a parent's perspective, that's a different story. And it was never, they never talked about that, which I found to be very odd. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the weird thing is the intent, like, the intent behind your child is the for the donor of the other child is right. none of us are parents obviously not are in are not in that situation but it would seem difficult to me to ask to have a kid with the intention of continuing to ask slash force them to be this farm of cells and blood and organs right and now that you say that i think honestly something that's also not thought through phoebe is how your other kid would feel the fact that it took kate 16 years to be like i don't want anna's stuff Mm -hmm. i can't imagine doing that yourself where you have a kid for your own organs you would not want, I wouldn't want my kids organs. So I also wouldn't want someone else to force somebody to give me their organs. I wouldn't want that as a receiver. Right. Yeah. I think it's a bit different if, for instance, Phil was just born and then I got diagnosed with leukemia or something just as a extremely hypothetical. And then he was a match for me. Totally different. Yeah. And then mom forced me. You would be like, this is weird. All right, I'll take it. No, you, you would be like, no, I don't want Phil's kidneys. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't want if you didn't want to give it to me. So we liked the dog, though. Someone said the dog was their favorite character. Oh, no, I hated the oh. dog. No, I the dog was fine. The dog itself. I hated the joke. 
the dog that was so stupid. That you joke about all these other disabilities? I don't have an arm, but I'm gonna make a joke that I have every other disability. That seems pretty messed up. <laughs> I don't know. Don't I didn't mind it. There was so many other things to be annoyed that it was. I think we all agreed that was the best storyline. Brian's Campbell storyline, yeah. Yeah, Campbell and Joyce. But I also thought that that was a bit unrealistic, too. Like, who is pining after somebody they didn't even date in high school? Oh, no. Yeah, unrealistic. Later. But imagine <laughs> yeah. if the whole story was just by one point of view, Campbell's. Slightly more interesting book, I think. Yeah, yeah. so true. That's actually a great point. And because the lawyer aspect is just more interesting right. in general. Okay. Now, take that. And now take out Julia, and it's just Campbell observing this family. That would be interesting. Wait, why? Because it would be so wild. This family, you have no idea what's going on, and you're just doing this case. That would be pretty interesting, observing these people without actually getting in their heads. All these people are off the wall. But why do you have to take out Julia? The storyline didn't make any sense. Oh. Yeah, just to take that out. So you don't have to deal with that. And it's just all about the third party of this family. Have, or even the does judge. Does he have the dog or no? <laughs> Good point. He has the dog, but he doesn't make the joke. <laughs> I think the dog is interesting because he had his own demons that he was working through. That could make a story more interesting if he also had this trouble he was working through. Yeah, I the dog's good that he's making it. But the Julia story in itself didn't really make any sense that I love this person so much yeah. and I cannot tell her that I'm epileptic. <laughs> so I'm just going to live in misery <laughs> and have her think that I'm just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Wait, you guys, I put this quote down when I thought it was very insightful and then I read... Oh, I forgot about quotes. Wait, this is... You guys are going to hate me. I put this down as something very insightful. And then reading it just yesterday, I was like, what does this mean? <laughs> and it says, just so you know, shame is five fingered. What could that possibly mean? <laughs> I looked it, it up must have and been it was after like, a slap or something. Was it after someone got slapped? <laughs> yes. Oh. But that's not, that's not intuitive out of context. Who said that? I think the mom said it. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, Funny. Phil. I think you put one, maybe. No, I put I, one. I, I, I had. I finished this, then listened to what you guys did, so I didn't realize there was a quote section. There, I knew there was like something about the difference, just the idea of there is right, and there is legal, and there is moral, and there is ethical. So that's what this quote goes to. It's by no means my favorite. But it was the answer is that there is no good answer. So as parents, as doctors, as judges in a society, we fumble through and make decisions that allow us to sleep at night because morals are more important than ethics and love is more important than law. But that was just the top search. That was, from, that was from this book. Yeah, that's when the judge is giving his verdict. I had a couple others. I think Jodi Picoult, I mean, her Princeton creative writing degree really is showing here because they are beautiful sentences. If you focus on sandbagging the beachhead, you can ignore the tsunami that is approaching. Try it any other way and you'll go crazy. But actually, the dad said this, which I thought was interesting. The safety of the rescuer is a higher priority than the safety of the I victim did. always. And which was so ironic, obviously, because 
right. Anna is the rescuer. Yeah, I do remember that one. Okay, so if you like this book, wait, Sharp Objects? Are you serious? I was actually really excited to watch that TV show. I've never read Sharp Objects book. is a great book. So Sharp, my these are my picks. Sharp Objects by Jillian Flynn. If you like this book, you have a bad taste. No, but I think, okay, let's just say like similar vibes, but just maybe kidding. something yeah, you'll yeah, enjoy. Yeah. Sharp, people can Sharp have Objects. different tastes. It's fine if people like this book. It's just not, I don't think it tickled any of our fancies that much. Yeah, well said, Isaac. The second one is Unsheltered, which we've talked about on here before by Barbara Kingsolver. And that is not maybe my most favorite book, but I thought it was pretty good. And again, if this is your vibe, I think that would be your vibe. Yeah, I think that's a really good rack, Phoebe. I do. I actually liked Unsheltered. I just think Barbara Kingsolver is very talented. Yeah. And she wrote a similar Sarah character not maybe i wasn't sympathetic but it was just much more well-written much more realistic character mm -hmm. the mom it was a middle-aged mom that sort of had a preference of her kids and it was i just think much better so that's a really good wreck i think my wreck is small great things by jody Pico. Um, i think her last name is pronounced picolt i just want to say that for the in on the audiobook it wasn't oh. and you always get the name wrong so, as i was um yeah so anyway the that one's about it's a similar sort of suing scenario i think i just like this one better because it was more interesting and a little bit more it was actually looking back not that realistic that it would go this far in court but it was basically a white supremacist has a kid in the hospital and she's choking on the umbilical cord but the nurse is black and she doesn't let the nurse save her baby. And then she sues the nurse for negligence, which is pretty interesting. That was a good book. Uh, That's why I thought this book was going to be good. Yeah, I like her courtroom good. related. I don't think so. I just think these two, for whatever reason, were. Okay. Yeah. And then the other one is Waiting for Normal by Leslie Connor. It's just a family relationships one. I read it for reading team and sixth grade i didn't like it but it got the reading team book list so this felt like a reading so, team book it did isaac what are your recs my rec was turtles all the way down it's by john grain i went a different way this is also from a perspective of a 13 to 16 year old girl i read it while i was deployed someone sent it to me i didn't realize again what it was <laughs> till i was too deep in in a weird headspace <laughs> I just learned my horoscope. So I was, <laughs> again, not a book I would probably recommend anybody. But if you like this one, you probably would like that one. I have an actual good rec for a book that I'm reading right now. It's E. Schwab who wrote the Addie LaRue book, whatever that book is called. It's Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. It's very popular. That was not one of my favorites, but I have friends who right. love this author. So I gave her another shot. And this is the Darker Shades of Magic trilogy. And I'm reading that right now. And it's very good. Actually, I would recommend it to both of you. It's been mixed between yeah. Doctor Strange, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. I don't know. If that was just my take. I don't internet don't kill me. But I'm reading that right now. Very good. It is good. I've read it. I always try to get something Phil hasn't read. And that's never the case. It's good. Is this the trilogy about the shades of Cities. The London has, it's three different Londons, White London, Grey London, and Red London. I'm reading Forest Mage by Robin Hobb, which is the second one of the 
trilogy that I talked about. The first one is A Shaman's Crossing. Again, always would recommend Robin Hobb. And then I'm also reading The Power of Creative Destruction by Philippe Aguillon, who's a French economist. It's all right. I would, if you're interested in a book like that, I would more recommend The Great Reversal by Thomas Philippon, who is a similar name, but he's a professor at NYU. So that one's better. I would recommend that. Cool. I'm reading The Adventures of Odysseus. It's by Glenn Illiff. I started this series before I went to Greece and now just finishing it up, but they're good. It's the retelling of the Iliad and Odyssey in modern speak. Yeah, I might try that. But is that similar to the Achilles one? The No, the... I think that's different, Phil. Okay. These are the, this doesn't sound like it's a very hard retelling of the Odyssey. Isaac, it's not flowery adaptation of the Odyssey. No. no, it's not flowery. It is it reads like a sci-fi novel, kind of. The Greek gods are in it. Yeah. Fortune tellers are in it. That kind of thing. He's got one about Hercules as well. And right now his audiobooks are as soundtracks on Spotify. So you can listen to them for free. Just cool. If he has a one about Hercules too, it sounds like that Achilles one, Bill. Or who's the other yeah. one? It's about, she's a siren. Circe. Circe, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, I'm not sure. I've only seen the Hercules one and the ones about Odysseus. But. That actually sounds really good. I'll probably cool. read those. Yeah. The only other book um, news I have is The Women by Kristen Hanna is just released, I think, the 6th of February. And that's on our book list. Kristen Hanna is big. She wrote The Nightingale. So look out for that later this year. We're going to read it. Hopefully it will be better than... Hopefully we will enjoy it more than this book. <laughs> yes. But next up is Born Identity, which I'm super excited about and did not know as a book until yeah, I read it. So you so. picked this one? Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. With that, I think we are good. Yeah. Right? Just a reminder to everybody, again, like this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, and you can find our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify, many other places that we do not know about, but they're out there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Second Pagers, for listening. And I want-